We began yesterday talking about by his stripes. What does it mean, by his stripes, we're healed? Uh, you know, we, we need to be careful that we don't just think we know, and we don't just get dull of hearing concerning something that's familiar to us. So many times people are looking for something new. They think, well, I've heard that, I know that, and they're looking for something else. But I want you to know there's enough power in that word, by his stripes you were healed, to heal every person in this room, every person in this state, every person in this country, every person on this continent, every person in this hemisphere, every person on this planet. Enough power in that word right there. By his stripes ye were healed. So let's begin again studying Isaiah 53. We'll begin at this first verse. And we'll read through the chapter. The chapter's not that long. And you know, so many times if we're not careful, we'll just take a verse or two out of the chapter and won't really be familiar with the chapter. And so many times, understanding the verses before and the verses after have great effect on your understanding of the verses that you were familiar with. I know I've gotten a lot of light out of a verse that I had taught and preached. But then having read the whole context, the whole chapter and book around it again, I saw it in a different light. And no one has ever exhausted all of the light and the truth from any one verse of Scripture. God's Word is alive, isn't it? Quick and powerful. And thank God His Word is a healing Word. The writer of Proverbs said His words are life to those that find them, and health or medicine to all their flesh. God's Word will heal you. God's Word is medicine. The Bible said, the psalmist said He sent His Word and healed them. You know, we have uh, uh, many testimonies of people in the last several years that I've been here that were healed, and yet nobody prayed a specific prayer for them. Nobody laid their hand on them. And yet they were healed. How many of you can get healed without having hands laid on you? I think that's a, a new word to a lot of people, but, but yeah. I've seen the power of God fall on people just sitting in the chair, just like what we're doing just right now. With, with the teaching of the Word and the ministry of the Word, I've seen people healed by the power of God before we ever touched them or prayed for them or anything. I know, uh, I forget, it's been some months ago. I was just teaching, just like now. Not prophesying, not preaching. We weren't, you know, running around the room. There was not something spectacular that you might think of. Just teaching. And uh, a couple came in and, and had, was sitting in the uh, back. Older couple, I hadn't seen them before. And just a few minutes into the service, she starts crying. Tears start coming down her cheeks. And I noticed it while I was teaching. Well, I had said some things that could have been taken the wrong way. And so just in my natural mind, I thought, well, you know, she may be offended. I just, how many preachers are just as natural as you? I mean, they have natural thoughts, too. And uh, after the service, of course, I had to focus in on what I'm supposed to be doing, not think about that. I just focused on my message and went on. After the service, she and her husband got up and came right down the aisle and, and spoke to me. And uh, she had some notes in her hand, a notebook, and, and two or three pages of notes that she had taken. She said, look at these notes that I took. And of course, now, I, I, we get all kinds through. Do you understand? <laughs> and uh, uh, we've had some strange situations. And uh, I looked at them and I thought, well, you know, People take notes all the time. And, and she said, you may not understand. She said, not, she said, some, I forget how long, some months back, I had had a stroke. And one half of my body was virtually paralyzed. My facial muscles didn't work. Uh, my hand that I wrote with didn't work. And she said, uh, she said I, I couldn't write, I couldn't use that hand. She said, I took all these notes today. And she said, my hand works good. And she said, and she smiled. She says, does my face look all right? And it looked fine, you know. So the Holy Ghost just got in the chair with her and healed her while the Word was going forth. Before we ever had a chance to lay hands on her or pray for her, the Word will heal you. I said, the Word will heal you. 
I could give you several testimonies like that. But I, I'm just saying this and just give you that example to stir you up. Don't wait until somebody prays a prayer for you or somebody lays a hand on you before you're going to believe that you're receiving. There's healing in these songs we play Amen. and sing. I mean, you know, the, every prayer that we pray, every message that, that's brought, there's healing and there's a healing flow here. And there's a healing anointing. And it's not because of men and women, it's because of God. The Lord's ordained it. And so you be believing that you are receiving. Now. Now. Just believe you're soaking it up. Somebody says, what were you doing this afternoon? Taking medicine? Taking my medicine? Is that right? Taking His words in, is that right? And His words are life. His words are medicine. His words are help. That's what we were doing this afternoon. Let's begin in Isaiah 53. These are God's words. Let's take them. Isaiah 53, verse 1. He says, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? We answered that question yesterday. What's the answer? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To the ones that believe the report. We talked about that in some detail. He said, for he, and of course we, we gave you scripture that proves that this is talking about Jesus, that Isaiah saw in the Spirit hundreds of years in the future, and saw Jesus in the Spirit, and saw his substitutionary work in the Spirit. I said, in the Spirit. He says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground, he has no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Now we said that if you'll study, and of course to get the most out of this, you, won't, you should have heard yesterday's message, but we said that this word grief here is the Hebrew word that is many, many places translated sicknesses or diseases. And this word sorrows here in verse 3, and it's also found in verse 4, and it's also found in verse 10, that this word sorrows, this Hebrew word in the same King James Bible is translated pains. And we took the time and we gave several literal and modern translations that word it just that way uh, yesterday. In fact, it wouldn't hurt for us to read some of these, and we'll look at them in just a moment. But he said that he is despised and rejected of men. That could be translated a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. Again, that's the word for sicknesses. And carried our sorrows. Or again, that's the word for pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God, and afflicted. Now let me read some of these other translations to you just to remind you and refresh you. Those of you that were here yesterday, it won't hurt you to hear it again. Young's translation, which is a very uh, highly regarded literal translation of the Hebrew, says, He is despised and left of men, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. Verse 4, Surely our sicknesses he has borne, and our pains, he has carried them. The, another translation says, But only our diseases did he bear himself, and our pains he carried. Another one says, It was our pains that he bore. Another one says, Surely our diseases he did bear, and our pains he carried. It's settled those that will accept it. The scripture says, Surely he bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. And we said to you, that's one of the greatest statements in the Word of God relative to healing and redemption. Surely. That's a strong word, isn't it? Surely. In fact, just say it out loud with me. Surely. He has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Let's say it at least three, four, five times over how much I'm feeling pressed. And when you say it, say my. 
mine. Think about it. Say it with me if you would. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Now close your eyes and say it again. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. And again, Surely He has borne my sicknesses and carried my pains. Hallelujah. Surely. Praise God. And what we emphasized and talked about yesterday is that what does that mean to us? That He bore our sicknesses. That He carried our pains. What, what's the result? What was the purpose of Him bearing the sickness? So I wouldn't have to. So you wouldn't have to bear the sickness. What's the purpose of Him carrying the pains? So we don't have to carry the pains. We said, you know, you'll hear the word carrier used relative to sickness and disease, don't you? Well, they're a carrier of such and such. A carrier of this virus. A carrier of this disease. We're not supposed to be carriers. Because Jesus carried. Amen. He carried all of it. Can you say amen? You know, uh, you see uh, sometimes these trucks, these over-the-road trucks, and they'll have a sign up that says, Not for hire. You ever notice that? Not, you know, uh, maybe the company owns them or they're leased to a certain company and they say not for hire. What does that mean? That means they won't haul your stuff. They only haul the one they're leased. I'll haul stuff for the ones that they're leased to or the one that owns the trucks or whatever. Not for hire. Well, friend, you ought to be that way when it comes to the enemy stuff. Amen. Is that right? Amen. I don't haul his stuff. Is that right? Because I'm telling you, the devil will make a pack mule out of you. He will load you with every stinking sickness and disease, with every care and worry and every fear and doubt. He'll load you until your belly, until your bumper, so to speak, drags the ground. Is that right? He'll load you until that load crushes you and destroys you. And it's happening every day with people. And yet, here's, the, here's the, the, the terrible part about it. While these people are being crushed from the load, Jesus already carried that. He already bore that upon Himself. And they don't have to be carrying it. They don't have to bear it. We ought to be so adamant about it that what He bore for me, I refuse to bear again. What He carried for me, I refuse to carry again. Because if I carry it again after He carried it, then He carried it for me in vain. I mean, what a, what a powerful statement that is to even suggest that something that the Master did in the redemptive work might be in vain. You see what a serious statement that is? And yet, no, what he did is not in vain in the largest sense. But I said, for you. If you carry again what he carried for you, then for you he carried that in vain. For you. But I refuse to let that be the case. Don't you? What the Lord bore for me, I refuse to touch that burden. And the devil says, here, you carry it. I said, nope, nope, I'm not touching it. Can't make me carry it. Now you might say, well, yeah, but Brother Keith, I've got symptoms in my body and I've got this and I've got that and I am carrying it around. No, you may have the symptoms in your body, but you don't have to accept it with your heart. You don't have to accept it. 
You can say, I may hurt, I may see this, I may feel this, but I absolutely refuse it. Amen. From the inside of you, refuse it and resist it. And what the Bible said happened if you resist the enemy? He has to flee. He has to. He has to. So that's what we talked about yesterday. Went into some detail about that. But I want us to go on reading here. Verse 4. Surely He's borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God. Don't you notice these words now? Stricken. Everybody say stricken. Smitten. Afflicted. Wounded. Bruised. Chastised. Do you see all these words? Now, now think about it. He was stricken and he was smitten. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded. Or, uh, the, these words have the connotation of, of, of being hit by something. For he was wounded for our transgressions. See, not for any of his own. He was bruised for our iniquities, not for any of his own. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, or actually, literally, probably a better word for that would be bruise. If you'll study this. And also, the, the, the word in the New Testament, 1 Peter 2.24, where it says, By his stripes she were healed. That word stripes is the only time that word appears there in the New Testament just like that. And it literally means bruise. Which is an exact reference to this scripture, which means bruise or bruises. Look it up for yourself. Study it. The, the, how many of the margin of your Bible says Hebrew and bruise? For this word, see? Hands all over. With his stripes or with his bruise or with his bruises, we're healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Is that true? Hmm? Y'all will look quiet on that. Uh, did the Bible say that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God? Have all of us taken wrong turns? Made mistakes? Yeah. That's sin. What's the wages of sin? Death. Punishment. The curse. Is that right? And we, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him... The iniquity of us all, the judgment and punishment we should have borne, came on him. Now notice verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Again, afflicted. You hear these words. Afflicted, stricken, smitten, wounded. Yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opens, openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Or as the margin of my Bible says, was the stroke upon him. He made his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death, or deaths, plural, the margin says. Because he's done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. There's that word bruise again. Please the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Again, that's the word for sickness. Same word you see over there in 3 and 4. He has put him to sickness. It says, uh, When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He'll see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he's poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Of course, that's us, all of us. Now, we've already talked about that what he bore we need not bear. He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. And what He bore, we don't have to bear. But I want to emphasize this statement, by His stripes. 
you were healed. I, I know for years, because I've been involved in healing school now, actively involved here in healing schools for 10 years, on a daily basis, just like today. And I've taught from 1 Peter 2.24 and Isaiah 53 scores of times. And yet, a few years ago, the Lord was dealing with me. I, I, I was studying some things. And He said, you don't know what that phrase means. By stripes you're healed. Now, of course, I've been working in healing school for years now. And He said, you don't know what that phrase means. Well, I knew, understood if I don't know, then I need to study it and see what it means. So I began to do word studies and word studies and word studies and begin, and begin to believe Him to show me. And I got some light and I got some insight that has just blessed me immeasurably. And I want to share that with you this week. Amen. Amen. Now I don't know about you, but uh, once I saw that, that phrase means so much more to me now than it ever did. Now don't you misunderstand me. You can be healed and not really know what it means. By stripes you were healed. You can just believe it. You know, a lot of things can work for you, and you not really understand much about it. How many of you drove a car over here? How many understand the, the mechanics of the internal combustion engine and automatic transmissions? Not too many hands went up. You might know a little bit about it. But how many understand that you do not have to know what's inside the engine? And how the distributor or, or the ignition or the starter or the crankshaft or the cam or the valves or whatever works. All you got to do is put the key in. Is that right? <laughs> Turn the switch. You got engine power. You do not have to know about torque converters and clutch discs. Is that right? And transmission fluid and housings and linkage. You just put it in D. <laughs> Is that right? And you're ready to go. And the same thing is true about a lot of things in life. How many understand? You don't have to. You don't have to know or understand all of the nutritional values of food for it to benefit your body. You can take some food and not have the foggiest idea how many grams of protein. Or carbohydrates? Or what kind of vitamins in that? Just put it in your mouth and swallow it? Is that right? And your body will assimilate it? Is that right? And utilize what it can use? And yet you not, even, not, not know a fraction of what's in it? Did you know that same thing about the Word of God? You can receive the Word of God by faith and believe you take it into you and just in simple childlike faith say, I believe it and I claim it for myself. And you can have tremendous things happen for you and not have no exactly why it's that way or what it really means. Like Brother Hagin said as a little boy, he never could figure out how a brown cow could eat green grass and give white milk and you churn it and make yellow butter. He couldn't figure that out. But that didn't keep him from uh, drinking the milk and eating the butter while he's trying to figure it, you see. And so if you can just accept in childlike, simplistic faith the truths of the Word of God, if it says, by stripes I'm healed, you say, well, I must be. He said it. I don't know exactly how that is and why that is, but I just accept it. You can be healed and not understand that much about it. But the more you do understand, the more deeply rooted and grounded in it you are, the harder you are to shake. And you get your teeth deeper into it. You understand what I mean by that? And you get a firmer grip on it. And it takes more and more and more to shake you. And that's what we need. Don't we need to be established in the Word. Rooted and grounded. And have all the full assurance and comfort of understanding of the Scriptures. Now, did you notice these words keep coming up? Stricken. Smitten. Smitten. Stricken. And then the word wound. Bruise, stripe. Now, I'm going to get into some things that may challenge you a little bit, and you may have to think. And I, I did you know that charismatics have already developed some tradition? 
And we need to be careful because certain things, if you say certain things a certain way, a lot of times people, they, they turn it off because of certain mentality that they have. But I want to challenge you to be very open in your thinking now so that you don't miss some things. Of course, you're not obligated to accept anything that I would share with you this afternoon if you can't see it plainly in the Word of God, unless it bears witness with your spirit. But if we do show you things in the Word of God, even if it might sound a little different than what you've heard, what's right? The Word or what you thought? <laughs> the Word's right. And if, we, if you, you know, knew all there was to know about the Word, then that means you've arrived and can't learn anything. And I don't think that's the case with any of us, do you? How many would understand that it's entirely possible that where you sit right now, you think wrong about some things? I know that don't bless you much and won't make you shout, but I just said, is it possible that where you sit right now, that you're just wrong about some things you think and on some ways you perceive? Well, if I'm wrong, I want to know about it, don't you? I want to know about it. Why? So I can change, be right. In the Word of God, you'll see, I mean, from Genesis all the way through the New Testament and the end of the New Testament Revelation, sickness is referred to as a curse. Is that right? But what is a curse? A curse is something bad. I mean, just the simplest terms. A blessing is something good, right? A benefit. A curse is something bad, something evil, as the uh, Scriptures say in the King James, something that hurts and harms and destroys. Brother Hagin's teaching on days of heaven, on the earth, and we went into some detail in Deuteronomy 28, if you remember. And it enumerates the blessings for obeying God and keeping His laws and ordinances and statutes. And then it says, if you don't, the curses will come on you. And among the curses, sickness and disease are mentioned, as well as different forms of poverty and destruction. Well, you could say it like this, that the curse is punishment for breaking God's laws, for rebellion and disobedience. I'm not talking about any personal applications. I'm talking about universal truths in the Word of God. The curse is punishment. Now, like I said, this may sound a little different to you, but I want you to, I want you to think with me. Poverty is punishment. Sickness and disease is punishment. Mental oppression, depression... All these forms of things are forms of punishment. Destruction, killing and stealing of whatever kind are forms of punishment, which is another way of saying curse, curses that come. How many know that, that in the beginning when God made everything, it was perfect? It was beautiful. There was no curse in the creation. But then how come, why did the curse come? Man sinned. And then God being a righteous and just God, He must punish that sin. Now like I said, you, you're going to have to listen and be open. God is the righteous judge of all the earth. He's responsible for the judgments of all generations. And when God, when man's Man sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, God's people sinned. He still loved Adam and Eve. Didn't he? They're his own children. He still wants to fellowship with them. He still wants to be close to them. But they're scared of him now. They run from him. Their minds affected. Their souls affected. Their spirits affected. Their bodies affected. The creation around them is affected. And you remember God pronounced the curse, didn't He? He pronounced a curse on the serpent. He pronounced a curse on the woman. He pronounced a curse on the man. He pronounced a curse on the ground. Is that right? 
Why did he do that? Because he's just. If God had just embraced Adam and Eve and said, well, I know you blew it, I know you disobeyed me, but, you know, let's just forget it. If he had required no penalty, then how could he ever judge the enemy? How could he ever judge Satan, all his cohorts? Because in, in the end, when he would pronounce, you know, uh, judgment on the devil and his cohorts, then the sat- Satan could rise up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about your little precious man? I mean, he sinned. And God could be accused of being unjust. And Romans 3 talks about this. Let God be true. And every man a liar, that thou mayest be justified when thou art condemned talking about the Lord. There are those on the earth that have accused God of being unjust. Who knows how many times? Accused God of playing favorites. Accused God of being unfair. But I want you to know one thing, friend. When everything is said and done, and the books are open and closed, it will be known to every being in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, that the Lord our God is just. He's fair. He's perfect in justice. He couldn't just embrace his man and woman and tell them it's okay. It wasn't okay. Sin had been committed. Rebellion, defiance, treason had been committed. Serious. Do you understand? It was not just an accident what happened in the Garden of Eden. I think sometimes people miss that. They think, you know, they just happened to be around the wrong tree and put out their hand and took some and go, oops, oh Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. No, 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 no. They knew exactly what they were doing. The woman was deceived, the Bible said, but the Bible said even Adam wasn't deceived. He knew exactly what he was doing. This was not some mistake. This is an act of defiance. It's an act of rebellion. It's an act of treason. Very grave and serious thing. Well, justice requires that there must be payment. Justice requires that there must be penalty. So the curse must be pronounced. Under the law, justice required that if one was disobedient... Could they be blessed anyway? No. If one was disobedient, the curse would come. Is that right? If one ignored God, rebelled against His commands, punishment would come. Punishment of all forms. And I want to read several scriptures to you, and just I want you to just hold with me now for a while. We're laying a foundation for some things. Where again and again... Sickness and disease and plagues are used in such phraseology and terminology that they are described as a scourging or a beating or a whipping. I said sickness is punishment. Sickness is punishment. Listen to these scriptures. Don't try to turn to all of them, but listen to them. In Deuteronomy 28... Verse 27 through 28. It says, The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt, with emeralds, scab, itch. The Lord will smite you. Now what does the word smite mean? Do you, do you understand what this is talking about? Stri- like, like striking something. Striking something with the hand. Or striking something with a stick. Or striking something with a whip. Smite. Listen to these other situations where people were stricken. You remember the, the concerning uh, David's child that he had by Uriah's wife, Bathsheba? And the Bible said the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare, and it was very sick and it died. Now see, y'all are quiet on this, but I'm reading the Bible. Do you understand there's a lot of scriptures that charismatics just ignore? 
They, they talk about other people of other denominations. Say, well, they don't even look at these scriptures. Yeah, but charismatics are just as bad. There are certain scriptures that they just don't look at. They try, they try to pass over them real quick. Try to pretend they're not there. Or then they come up with some wild explanations. And have a bunch of reasoning instead of revelation. Also, the Bible said concerning Nabal. How many remember Nabal? He was the husband of Abigail, who later became King David's wife. His name meant fool, and that's what he was. But the Bible said that the Lord smote Nabal, and he died, got sick and died. The Bible said that the Lord smote Uzzah. Remember, he uh, and another guy were walking beside the Ark of the Covenant, and the oxen they had it on a cart, which they weren't supposed to have on a cart. Word of God said only the priests were supposed to carry it. And the oxen stumbled, and he reached up, and he's going to stay. See, they should know. Nobody touches the ark. But the Lord smote us, and he died. The Lord smote uh, Jeroboam, and he was a leper and died. How many remember when uh, Herod, over in the book of Acts, was giving this oration? Remember that? And... Uh, the people said, it's a God, it's a God. And he didn't give the glory to God. The Bible said, the angel of the Lord smote him. And he was eaten with worms and died. That's some kind of a disease, you see. Smitten. Smitten. Struck. I mean, you see it again and again and again. Listen to this scripture over in Micah 6.13. Micah 6.13, the Lord said, I will make thee sick in smiting thee and make thee desolate because of thy sins. Hosea 6.1 Am I giving you the word or not? Okay. You might be looking at me funny. I'm, I'm not making this up. These, these are scriptures. Hosea 6.1 Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn and He will heal us. He has smitten and He will bind us up. Smitten. Smitten. I mean, I could give you many more scriptures, but do you understand what we're talking about here? That the Bible says again and again and again, situations where the Lord smote this one with plagues, smote this, smote that. But says, what's that got to do with anything with us? What did we just get through reading in Isaiah 53? He was what? Smitten of God and afflicted. I said to you yesterday that when Jesus was scourged, when he was tied to that, that post and whipped, and I, I, I didn't know this until I did some, some more study on it. Did you know that in the New Testament there are two or three words that are translated stripes and what have you? One of them, the same word in the New Testament that's translated stripes, is translated plagues some dozen times. Same word, translated stripes, is translated plague or plagues. I'm talking about what this phrase means, by his stripes we are healed. And uh, I said that when those individuals standing around, when they tied Jesus to that whipping post and when they scourged him, they could see him being beaten, they could see the physical pain, but what they could not see... It's what Isaiah saw. Isaiah saw in the Spirit. Not in the natural, he saw in the Spirit. And he said that the Lord was pleased to bruise him. He said we did esteem him stricken of God, smitten, stricken of God, afflicted. He was wounded. He was bruised. And you could see those soldiers beating him and whipping him on the outside. But what you couldn't see is that God was smiting him. That's what the Bible said. God was smiting him with the spiritual source and cause of sickness and disease. We see Scripture after Scripture after Scripture where people were struck with this disease, struck with this plague, like hitting somebody with a rod, like hitting somebody with a, with a, a, a whip. Struck them. We use that language today. So-and-so was struck 
uh, struck down with this or stricken with this. And what you couldn't see is in the Spirit, God was striking him in judgment upon his spirit, upon his sinless, spotless spirit. He was being struck repeatedly, blow after blow in the spirit to take all the spiritual source and cause of disease and sickness and torment of the mind and the soul and every punishment that should have been meted out for those who've sinned and fallen and transgressed. Do you see this so far? I can tell you're not that excited about it, but I just, <laughs> just, just hold with me, just stay with me, because it gets exciting. He was stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. We esteemed him so, and then later in verse 10, it says the Lord. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now back up in Isaiah 53, read this with me again. Isaiah 53, verse 7. Isaiah 53, verse 7. It says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. See, that's reiterated, isn't it? That's emphasized. That what? He didn't open his mouth. Why didn't he open his mouth? What was the issue? Who is to be punished? The guilty or the innocent? The guilty. Who should be whipped? Who should be scourged? Who should be beaten? The sinner or the righteous? The sinner. But he's the righteous. And yet he took the beating. I don't know if you understand or not. Don't you remember that when, when they came to get him, Peter whipped out his sword, started fighting. Jesus said, put your sword up. Don't you know that I could call on the Father right now? And he'd give me legions of angels. For what? To deliver him. To protect him. Why? Because they had no legal right before the throne of God to touch him. I want to say something to you. I want you to remember it. The devil only has a right, a legal right, to oppress the guilty. He only has a legal right to afflict the unrighteous. I said legal right. He only has a legal right to attack with sickness, oppress with poverty, oppress with destruction the guilty one, the sinner, the unrighteous. Now, I know there are a lot of people being affected by these things, but I said he only has a legal right to do it in the lives of the unrighteous, the guilty ones. The innocent, the righteous, he has no legal right to do so. So, was there a legal right there for them to do what they did to Jesus? No. So that's where the devil played his hand and lost. That's what you know 1 Corinthians tells us, that if they had known what was going down, they would never have crucified the King of glory. They would never have done it. Because see, they transgressed. They had no legal right to do it, but because He sold Himself into their hands, it was too big of a temptation for them. They had to take Him. He lowered his guard. He said, here I am. And they, he just, the enemy just could not resist. He hit him. He killed him. He took him out. And he thought, I got him. But he fell right into God's trap. See, the devil didn't know. The devil didn't understand that. 
Imagine going through the mocking, going through the spitting, the slapping, the striking, going through the scourging, going through the crucifixion, and knowing that at any time you could open your mouth. You could call on the Father and be delivered. Talk about temptation. And the reason he could have been delivered is because he was innocent, sinless, spotless before God, before the throne. He could have appealed to the righteous judge and said, I appeal to you, Father, I have done no wrong. I have committed no sin. The devil has no right to touch me. These people have no right. And he could have appealed or based on that, that right and the Father would have delivered him. And the devil had no right. But if he had done that, you and I would be lost. Do you see that it repeats this phrase? He what? He opened not his mouth. Didn't open his mouth. He took it. Is that right? He took it. They slapped him. They mocked him. They spit in his face. They jerked out his beard. And he did what? Didn't say a word. How many when they first came to take him? And he says, who are you looking for? And they told him. He said, I am. And they all fell back on the ground. He opened his mouth. How many know he could have opened his mouth? But one of them reached back and slapped him. Pow! And said, prophesy, king. He could have said, here's a prophecy. <laughs> Fall dead. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> he could have said, here's a prophecy for it. Disintegrate. <laughs> he could have opened his mouth. He could have said, Father, I'm innocent. I have committed no crime. I deserve no punishment. He could have appealed to the throne of heaven. He could have appealed to the righteous judge, the Father, and he had every right to be delivered, be freed from scourging, crucifixion. But you and I would be lost. So he took it. And when they tied him to the post, and they began to beat him, stroke after stroke after stroke, he could have appealed. But he opened not his mouth. I want you to turn with me to Acts, the 22nd chapter, and notice this. Acts chapter 22. This is the story of Paul when he was there in Jerusalem and there was an uproar in the city because he was there and they were about to kill him. And you remember that the soldier, Roman soldiers came and took him away from the crowd and then that began his imprisonment and his journey to Rome and what have you. But listen, he was talking to them and in verse 22 of Acts 22, Acts 22, 22. Paul was saying some things and they gave him audience to that word and then they lifted up their voices and they said, Away with such a fellow from the earth. It's not fit that he should live. And they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust in the air. And the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging. And this, is, this is what they did to Jesus. They scourged him. Tied him to a post and beat him. Whipped him. And they were going to examine him by scourging that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. Now, in other words, they're going to uh, torture him. They're going to beat a while and then they're going to ask some questions. And if they don't like the answers, they're going to beat some more. I mean, how many of Paul's in a serious condition here? 
serious situation. Verse 25, And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? He asked him a question. When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what you do, for this man is a Roman. The chief captain came. I mean, the head man got out of his office and came down to see Paul. He said, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yay. <laughs> How many think he was glad he could say, Yes, yes, and yes, yes. Did you understand what I said? Yes, yes, I am. And the chief captain answered, he said, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was free born. I was born like this. Then straightway or immediately they departed from him which should have examined him or tortured him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. Now notice what happened here. Now Paul was a Roman citizen. Apparently his dad was a Roman citizen. And in Rome, if you were a citizen, you were somebody. And you had rights. And nobody could just sentence you unless you had your fair trial. And in fact, if you didn't like the trial, you had the option of appealing all the way to Caesar. Which Paul did, don't you remember? He did. He used that right. Now, if you weren't a citizen, you were nobody. I mean, they could find you dead in the road ditch one morning. And somebody say, well, who was that? Were they a citizen? No, nah, you wouldn't even be investigated. They'd just go bury us, uh, so-and-so. Had no rights. And so Roman citizenship was highly valued. And there were several ways you could become a Roman citizen. Of course, if your parents were Roman citizens, then you're a Roman citizen. And if you were a, a soldier and you had a great uh, accomplishment in the military, you could be given your citizenship. Or if you made a, the right contribution to the right offices. That's always been around, hasn't it? And uh, that's what this fellow said. That he said, he said, it cost me a lot of money. It cost me a great sum to get this valued status of citizenship. Paul said, yeah, but I was freeborn. I was born to this. And immediately, do you, now do you understand what's happening now? They took Paul and they stretched him out. They probably tore off his upper garment. They stretched him out. They tied him. And there's some big burly guy with a big whip who's about to take the skin off of his back. Is that right? And so Paul looked around and he said, Hey, <laughs> is it lawful for you to do this to a Roman citizen who hasn't been condemned, hasn't been found guilty? And the guy standing to him, I said, uh, Hold on just a second. <laughs> Hold on. And he went back and, and he found the head guy and he said, Hey, this guy's a Roman citizen. And the guy said, No. He said, Sure. He said, He is. Boy, this, the, the head guy got, got out. Came and said, Of course, I guess Paul's still stretched out over here, you know. He said, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Paul said, Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the guy said, hey, it costs me a lot of money now to become a Roman citizen. Paul said, yeah, but I was born that way. Free born. It didn't cost me anything. I was born that way. And so the Bible said immediately they departed from They were going to torture him. They came around. They untied his hands. And they said, uh, sorry, Mr. Paul. We, we didn't know. Hey, there's some grapes and some dates and stuff in here. <laughs> you know, help yourself. You're not going to say anything about this to anybody, are you? Because it was a serious... If you, if you laid a hand on a Roman citizen who hadn't had a trial, so you were in serious trouble. 
Paul missed that beating. They didn't lay a hand on him. And yet they were about to, they fully intended to. Why did he miss this whipping? You got it. He opened his mouth. I said he opened his mouth. He opened his mouth. Opened his mouth. What did the Bible say over in Revelation 12? Talking about the devil, the accuser of the brethren. That they overcame him how? By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony. Jesus was tied to that whipping post. He took that scourging. He took that beating. He didn't open his mouth. They laid him on that cross. They drove those spikes through his hands and his feet. He never opened his mouth. Why? Because he couldn't. If we're going to be able to open ours. He didn't open his mouth so we could open our mouths. Hallelujah! He was silent so we could speak. He suffered so we could be healed. He took it so we could be free. Oh, He did. He did, friend. But did you know so many don't know that? They don't know that. And so they're still being silent. The devil comes. He ties them to the whipping post and begins to beat on them with a sickness and disease. Pain. Affliction. Trouble. And a lot of times people just take it. And they pray, oh God, help me. Oh Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? Did you hear me? And sometimes people just say, well, just, just be strong and take it. Just be strong and ask God for strength to, to stand up to it. No! No! When these things begin to come against your life, the devil begins to try to strike you with a plague, with a sickness, with a disease. You need to pipe up immediately. And you say, hey! Hey! Wait a minute! Devil, is it lawful for you? Is it lawful for you to put this on me? A child of God? A citizen of heaven? Is it lawful? No. It's not lawful. He knows it. But he's hoping you don't know it. He knows it, but he knows also that if you'll just keep your mouth shut and take it, then he can put on you all you'll take. He knows that. And what's so sad is people have been taken and they've been taken and they've been taken and the devil just keeps dishing and dishing and they just keep taking and taking and Jesus just keeps telling us, I took it, I took it, quit taking it. But you got to pipe up. you gotta, you got to speak. you got to speak. We believe in faith, but what does the spirit of faith say? He said over in 2 Corinthians 4.13, We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. We speak. You know you've got to know what belongs to you. And you've got to speak. And you've got to stand up for your rights. I've used this illustration before and it will bear repetition. But what if God dealt with somebody to buy you a new car? Hey, it happens. It happens. And you are standing, looking out the front of the, 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 the building here through this glass, and, and the person's bringing this car to you. It's got your name on the title. 
And they don't know where you're at and they're looking for you. And they parked the car right across there and they're going somewhere else to look for you. They don't know that you're there. And you're standing looking out the window thinking, mm, that's a sharp set of wheels. Ooh, boy. If I was going to buy a new one, I'd get one just like that. Just exactly like, oh, that's the color. That's, that's it. That's it. And what if a professional thief came along about that time? And just within just a few seconds, he gets in the car. It looks almost like he's got a key. And just in a couple of seconds, he starts the car up and begins to pull out of the lot. What would you do? I said, what would you do? What would you do? You'd do nothing. Because you don't know it's your car. You would do absolutely nothing. You would not run out the door. You would not say a word. You would not call the police. You would just stand there and watch as he drove off in your new car and you'd say, blessed guy. (laughs) But what if you knew it was your car and somebody came and just started messing with the door handle? (laughs) What would you do? You'd be out there, you'd say, hey, hey, that's my car. What, what are you doing? Is that right? Yeah. And for sure if somebody opened the door and sat down on the seat, you'd be right there saying, hey, hey, what are you doing to my car? Get out of my car. Right? But if you don't know it's your car, what will you do? Not one thing. What will you say? Not nothing. Not a word. See, there's so many people in Christendom, they don't know that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. They don't know He carried our pains. They don't know healing belongs to them. They don't know Jesus already took the beating and took the whipping of the curse of sickness and of the curse of the chastisement of our peace and the punishment for sin. They don't know that, and so they keep letting the devil beat them. He beats them, and he whips them, and he says, you deserve this, and they agree with him. Yeah, I know, I've been such a sorry Christian uh, yeah, I know. That's not what Paul did. Boy, I like that, don't you? Boy, they tied him and began... They, I mean, they hadn't, they hadn't touched him yet. But they tied him to post, and, and that guy stands back there with that whip. He says, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it lawful? Now, see, he, did you see what he challenged? He challenged their legal right to do it. I hope you understand that if you're just talking about mechanical and power, that the devil does have the mechanical ability and he does have the operation of power to put sickness on you and to work death in you. He does have that ability. I mean, all you got to do is look around. It's happening. But this is what he challenged him on. Do you have the right? Do you have the legal right to do what you're doing to me? And friend, if you're walking with God, and if you've repented of your sins, and you're confessing your righteousness and innocence in Christ, He has no legal right to put sickness on you, to work disease in your body. He has no right. And if, he, if you challenge Him on that, and you stand up for your rights, heaven will back you up. Heaven will back you up. The Holy Ghost will back you up. Oh, glory to God. Jesus was silent. He took it. Why? So you could speak up, my friend. So anytime the enemy tries to steal, tries to kill, tries to make sick, tries to destroy in your life, I don't mean wait three seconds about Immediately. You open up your mouth and say, Hey, hey, Mr. Devil, do you have a right to do this? And he doesn't have a legal right to do it. Jesus was smitten. He was stricken. He was whipped. So when the devil tries to whip you, you say, uh-uh. No, sir. Challenge him. Challenge him and defy him and resist him. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, you can't play with this. You've got to know what you believe about this. 
And you can't be moved by what you see or don't see or feel or don't feel. You've got to stand steadfast against it and say, No, no, I refuse to let you beat me with this. I refuse to let you whip me with this. No, Jesus took this. He was whipped with this. Oh, can you say amen? amen. What am I talking about? By His stripes, ye were healed. We are Healed. I am healed. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.